Good morning. This is Kennedy McKenzie with Van Wynn, Denita Martinez, and Ishmael Gomez. Today's topic will be education in schools around the world. And the first thing that we'll be talking about is the difference in education between girls and boys. All right, so I want to start by talking about a story that we read not too long ago in our one of our English courses, and it was called I Am Alala. And this girl, um, she explains her experience in Afghanistan and how the education system is so corrupted. And um, she, you know, goes in depth about the misogynistic world that they live in and how they prioritize men in education and how they don't have the equal opportunities that, that they should have. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's very, you know, sad to think how, like, why is it that that men are always seen as the, you know, the top, why are they always first ones to come, you know? And, um, you know, she explains how how the Taliban, you know, came around and they destroyed their schools, they destroyed anything that would benefit women in general. And, um, you know, and it's very, um, it's very sad to think that, that women, like many women around the world, don't have the opportunities that we have here in America, you know, as in for education. Um, and she goes and she explains how how um they they were very undermined they were belittled and it was um not a good experience for her and i was also reading an article you know and it talks about you know these girls were get and this article this guy he was in a different region and um this school girls were being educated as well but he did mention that they weren't the ones being prioritized or they weren't the ones receiving the attention because they just thought that that women in general didn't need it and so they, he explained how the schools now, they, they give all their attention towards the men because they're the ones who need it or they're the ones who are going to be at the top. And so I just thought that, you know, it's the, the way the views of many schools are very corrupted. And I, I don't agree with all that they do. And Van, do you want to talk about um, So I also read a similar article about the education of girls in India. And it really talks about not only the way that the school system in India is set up, which is which does need improvement, but it also uh, comments on the uh, kind of the activism that uh, women are doing in India to advocate for education for girls in particular, because there's a huge discrepancy between the number of educated uh, boys and the educated number of educated girls in India, and that really ties back to kind of a cultural standpoint and a cultural aspect of how these countries view women as Ishmael said it's very it tends to be very misogynistic and very patriarchal but that those cultural views shouldn't stop girls from getting their education because at the end of the day education for everyone is beneficial and referring back to Aya Malala uh, Malala's father kind of values the education of all and everyone being able to receive the, an education however malala for herself as a as a young girl she advocates for female rights and for female education as well one thing that i noticed in the articles that we've all read um was that it is mostly grouped with gender equality and how they uplift the men that'll be growing up in those countries more so than they lift up the women. And um, that just, it shows that they don't value women in 
their education as much as they value the boys and that makes living like that hard for them and they they grow up with low self-esteem and stuff like that okay something i would like to add this discrepancy that van was talking about earlier i'd like to mention that it doesn't just exist solely in these underdeveloped countries but it is very much prevalent in the united states as well it's prevalent within our own district you see that within the okay we have two schools geared towards same-sex education which is uh now it's called mickey leland uh it's a school for boys and we have young women's college preparatory i don't know but point is just from viewing the schools even looking from the outside you can see the difference of their education you can see how many systems are put in place the mickey leland school has one of the best robotics teams in the entire nation and they're getting all this funding and they have all this support from everyone in the district and not just in the district but as well as the rest of texas and they're getting all this support but the young women's school rarely receives anything all they've gotten within the past few years is a new building and yet what they're learning is home ec which i don't see as fair as i know from experiences that i've had with both schools that both populations are very much so capable of doing the exact same things but the fact of the matter is that the all boys school is receiving more more resources than the all girls school is and that's just a prime example of how that's still affecting us within our own nation all right moving on to the next question uh van will be explaining the difference between education in an underdeveloped country and a developed country so as we know that underdeveloped countries are kind of having an issue when it mean when it comes to providing education for all students uh, in their countries, and the thing is, before they or some countries have been able to provide education for their students uh, through government-funded schools. However, those schools aren't producing results. They're not effective, and honestly, they're kind of a waste of money. Um, However, there have been NGOs and other organizations that have created their own schools and started teaching students on their own through a small fee that can be um, that is affordable to families on for the most part. However, we also find that those schools are not as effective as well because these schools kind of tend to adopt this Western style of education of standardized testing and uh, teaching them things that would be applicable in our society. However, they're not applicable in the setting of an underdeveloped country. And so instead, really, I read this article um, where it kind of talks about instead of implementing a Western ideal uh, education system, creating more of an education system that is tailored to the situation of the country. So instead of teaching Greek philosophy, teaching economics, how to trade, how to uh, kind of establishing trade schools, which are no, I know that some underdeveloped countries are testing them out, where they teach kids kind of the tricks of the trade, tra- uh, 
how to work on the farms, how to work on cars, how to kind of do things that will gain income for them, other than kind of just doing things, kind of working outside of school, like picking up trash and kind of reselling them, like we see in the story of I Am Alala. And also, we also find the issue with underdeveloped countries that if, say, a student does flourish in the Western style of education, there is no there's no higher institutions that will give them the education that will help them further flourish. And apart from just establishing uh, schools in these countries, it's more of establishing a school system that is effective and that will yield a very, you know, a very, how do I say, um, a very, what is the word? <laughs> uh, it'll come back into my mind later, but if anyone has any other comments. Yeah, and I also want to add, um, you know, hearing my dad's stories, um, Mexico used to be a very um, poor, poor um, country. Um, I don't think many people realize that here in America, we have so much money. We spend so much money towards the schools. And, you know, in these underdeveloped countries, they don't have that. They don't have the opportunity to go and, you know, build a school for themselves. But it's sad to see how, you know, the kids here, they don't value education as much as other people would in underdeveloped countries. They're not grateful for what they've already been given. And, you know, my dad talked about that when he came to America, he's never seen a school. All it was for him was that they had to work, 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 you know, to get money to, you know, be able to live somewhere. And when they reached America, he was enrolled in school. I want to say he was seven years old. And um, he said he was very grateful, you know, to be able to have that opportunity to, you know, be able to learn. But even then, he felt he fell under the stereotypes of Hispanic people in general. And so he wasn't able to fully, you know, reach where he was supposed to go. But um, just going back to Van, you know, she said that that these underdeveloped countries are now trying to find new ways to be able to teach education, to be able to like put it in their, you know, system. And um, uh, people need to realize that that we need to be able to help, you know, these underdeveloped countries we need to be able to, to put support for them, um, you know, because they do deserve the education as well. Um, a question that I want to put out there is how do you think the mindset of someone who is in a developed country with education is different from someone who is in an undeveloped, underdeveloped country? I personally feel like, um, well, I don't necessarily agree with Ishmael's point that uh, people in America don't appreciate education. I just feel like we have different priorities because we are allowed the space to have different priorities. Like people in underdeveloped countries, a lot of them are living day by day, so they don't have time to think about anything deeper than day by day situations. Whereas we have the opportunity to kind of look further and delve deeper into our current situation to try to change it into something that we like to see. So our education system currently isn't something that we like. So and this is, I guess, me saying that it's not that we don't appreciate our education system. It's that we have time to think about what we can do to help improve our education system because we see that it is obviously pretty corrupt. And while it does help us, it only helps, it likes to help certain students more than others. 
So I feel like someone in an underdeveloped country would just be grateful for the fact that they have somewhere to study. Whereas we, we've had somewhere to study our whole lives. So now we want to take the time to try to fix and improve the education that we're already receiving. Um, going on, picking back of uh, Denise's point of like, we already have the first stepping stone. Underdeveloped countries have not yet gotten that stepping stone, but once they do get on to that point, we can start innovating. So before we can be innovative, we have to be sustainable. And that's one thing that uh, underdeveloped countries still need to kind of establish. So underdeveloped countries need to establish a sustainable um, kind of education system that will work for them and can be flexible that to adjust to the different changing to the changing of kind of their social situations, their political situations and their economic situations. Uh, as you know, people that lit who are very blessed to have, you know, this opportunity, we should be the ones coming up with innovative ideas to kind of assist our our neighbors and our friends from other places to help them create that sustainable system while um, also as Denise said, kind of building up on our own, kind of creating that, using that innovativeness to better our uh, system as we have, than we have today. Um, another follow-up question that I have is that I noticed that some outsiders may think that we have too much freedom, but do you think we have too much freedom, like, for studying and all that stuff? Or, like, whatever. I think... We have obviously grown in a um, capitalist society where we are given the option to choose our trade, choose what we want to do for the rest of our lives. So I feel like if you come from a society where you're told what you're going to do, obviously you would believe that we have too much freedom. And while I don't agree with all things capitalist, I do feel like we grew up here so we know what it's like to want to choose our own life whereas other people who aren't given that opportunity obviously they're going to believe that we should not be granted that right but I do appreciate that that we are given the choice of what we can do in America and also with the whole idea of like being too free that's also a cultural thing I know that many you know Asian countries, like, we have an expectation. You, you're expected to work a certain job because it's the safe route. And that kind of, it's, in America, it's more individualistic. It's like, if you want to do whatever you want to do, go for it. Make it come true. Make your, follow your dreams. But in Asian cultures, it tends to be a lot more communal. You work this job so you can help support us. It's not just about you, it's about us. It's about the collective. And so with like the whole idea of like being too free, it's more not only of an educational standpoint, but also a cultural standpoint as well. Oh, and also, um, you know, in the Latin countries, we fall under this mindset that we won't make it as far as we think we would. You know, our family's already like set this stereotype where they tell us like okay you, you think you're gonna make it here you have t like too many high standards like you need to realize where you're at and the way we're living 
And, you know, here at our school, where it's actually very, you know, open, very free, like we have, you know, opportunities that we wouldn't think we could get. And um, I don't necessarily think that we have too much freedom. I just believe we have more opportunities, which benefits us. And I think it's we have the right to, you know, be able to have that. Um, at this school, you know, we're so diverse within cultures, race, sexuality, whatever it is. Um, and I don't think that that we, you know, don't deserve to be able to have that here, you know, because it's actually, you know, this school is a very friendly environment. If people, Even though the school is small, you know, you do realize, you know, how open people are, how, how like their perspective is from certain things. And um, yeah, that's what I think. Okay, and on to our next topic, uh, the difference in perspective of what countries teach by Denita. Okay, so for this section, I'll be focusing on two, um, actually three different perspectives. Um, those of American students, those of Asian students, primarily in Japan and South Korea, and of those in underdeveloped Central American countries. Okay, so for my, as an American student, at my experience of education, I have grown, obviously, again, America, we kind of have what is known to be, we're following our American dream, you know, that's kind of what the whole basis of our education system is built on. Um, we're supposed to follow that dream, uh, you know, make something of ourselves, even if we don't have something. And while this is the dream, that's all it really is, a dream. Um, the American dream is only catered for certain people. I strongly believe because I am the product of someone following the American dream and not necessarily being able to completely achieve that because of their socioeconomic status. Um, also, I'm living through that right now as a poor um, student product of immigrant parents. Uh, okay, it's kind of hard. Like, it's tough out here. Yeah, we're really trying. I'm like, I'm struggling, but we're thriving, though, you know, doing what I can with the resources that I have. Why? And I mean, yeah, it's fun to joke about, but like, it's serious though okay i'm struggling here because i'm brown and poor whereas <laughs> i know that there's a white kid out there somewhere right now that's getting a bunch of money from his rich parents because they've been having money for generations already okay and what they see as my parents being lazy and not working hard enough to achieve this dream is really just us not being granted the opportunity to do so. So that's part of the American dream, um, American experience, my experience um, as a Latin student. Um, next, we'll be focusing on uh, education in Korea and Japan. I'll be referencing for Korea... Um, an article by the Asian Society, which I deem pretty appropriate. Um, so they described education as a lot more f formulaic, I guess, in a way. Uh, it's definitely more 
structured than I can say for the American education system. Um, students are not only taught, you know, about, you know, academics, but they're also taught about life. And uh, same goes for Japanese schools. Um, we watched a video in class one day where we got to go through the life of an everyday elementary school student. And that was an experience in itself because just watching the video, it's so much different from our school. You know, our lunch periods, we go to lunch, talk to everyone, you know, do what you want to do. But in these Japanese schools, instead of going out to talk to people, they stay within the confines of their classroom, which for me can be positive and negative only because, I mean, of course, difference in perspective. Um, and that's really what I can say about Asian societies, East Asian societies anyway, that, yeah, they're just a lot more structured than American schools are, I guess. And lastly, I'll be talking about... Um, relaying actually my mom's experience coming from the education system in el salvador a central american country um it's not good to put it in the simplest words it's not good uh kids aren't really meant to stay in school you kind of just go to school because i mean it's there but after a certain point you kind of just again work to live day by day so you just stop going to school. No one really cares. Um, at times, it can actually be unsafe to go to school, especially now because MS-13 is very prevalent in um, El Salvador, especially. And so it's kind of a risk going to school. Like, if you want to go to school, go ahead. But it's not the same. You're not getting a good education. I mean, you know, education is education. But at the same time, there's only so much you can achieve with the resources that they have. Um, so you're not getting the best education, and while you're doing that, you're also risking your life by actually even going to school, because, again, like I said, MS-13 is a very prevalent gang and very dangerous, and they're kind of taking over the country, which is really scary for a lot of the kids that are still over there, because you have to take the time and think about the fact that, yes, this was my, mom, my mom's experience, but this was in, like, the 80s, so think about now, when you have so many more things to worry about, and the fact that there are still kids going through this every day. So, perspective for Salvadoran students, is, it's a scary life, you know? Um, I just want to make a comment on Denise's comment earlier about kind of the struggles of being a minority and going through the education system and trying to uh, strive and su succeed. And uh, there's kind of been a history of institutionalization in the U.S. history where people at the top stay at the top through kind of institutionalizing things that put other people down. And we see that in our education system, but it's, mo it's not what really about what we learn, but it's about the opportunities we're given through the education system. And I also want to make a comment about the Asian, uh, Asian kind of East Asian uh, uh, education systems and how formulaic they are. Um, our current Chinese teacher was telling us about the English test that most foreign students have to take before they come to America. And the thing is, uh, Asian, I'm going to say this now, Asians have mastered standardized testing. There is always a technique that they apply to kind of ace every single test that there is out there. They will find a way. Because it's formulaic. 
as Denise has said, you can just apply a specific, do a certain thing, and you're going to get the perfect answer. However, once those students passed those tests and then went into kind of an actual college setting, they were unable to understand anything their professors were saying. Because they didn't really learn the material, they were simply just taking the test just to take the test to pass it to gain access to the U.S. And so that formulaic kind of way of teaching is, can be very can be very dangerous because you're not really teaching and you're not really learning. You're just regurgitating, memorized things. And I also want to reference back to what Denita said. Um, in Mexico, just about every part of Mexico is being run by cartels. So it's not even about education anymore. It's about living your life in fear. So it's so you know even now like you can't even send your kids to school because you never know if they're gonna come back um so danita was saying that you know now they gotta live you know their life by working every day and you know she said that you know you're expected to just like fall out of school like just drop out you know and um it's sad because my dad um he told me that you know the time period that he was in mexico that um, his brother was part of a cartel and it was sad because that that's just the life that he had to live he had to work it was more of like protecting his family but he didn't have the opportunity to go to school it was him just you know you know be doing what he was told to do and that was it um, and so yeah Danita made a very good point about you know the the life of a Hispanic the, and not just in El Salvador but you know in most Latin countries now they're run under some certain some certain kind of violence and um, education is not valued anymore. So educate people, I don't wanna say educate people aren't, you know, don't have power anymore, but that's how it is. The people who have power now is those who are harming others and yeah, that's it. Okay, we're gonna wrap up with one final um, follow-up question. Um, why do you think that all three perspectives are so different from each other? Well, it goes down to culture, the culture of each country and not only the culture, but also the situations that they are in. Because thankfully that uh, North American, Western uh, and Asian countries, they currently aren't facing the struggles that Latin American countries are facing. They're able to kind of, kind of, kind of create an education system where the students can go to school and Asian countries it's very rigid it, Asian culture is very rigid in itself it's you do this because because it helps other people it's not really about you and it goes back to that individualistic and uh, collective societies again so in the US be free do what you want commit uh, achieve the American dream as best as you can and in Asia it's do this because you're helping us. This is your job. This is your place. Do what you are supposed to do. Yeah, and um, also, you know, Latin countries, um, you're not, you're, the reason for them not to go to school is because it's more protecting themselves, not like because you're helping them, because you're doing it for protection. So, they live in you know a society of fear and it's it's you know it's very disappointing to you know like to know that they're not able to go and be educated because in the long run it's not going to benefit them when it comes down to it and yeah
Okay. Um, thank you for listening. This is Kennedy McKenzie, Van Wynn, Denita Martinez, and Ishmael Gomez.